Before we kick into our series, we're doing a new series. Well, actually, this is the second week in our series on favourites, where we're looking at the um, favourite uh, Bible passages of the preachers. So it's not necessarily the favourites of all times, but it's one passage, or in my case today, I'm going to cheat, I'm going to do a couple of little bits, but it's all thematic, it all builds on the same piece of Scripture. Um, last week we you know, had one of my favourites. There's a lowering of the, the paralysed man through the roof um, in Luke's Gospel. And this week we're going to be having a look at Isaiah 58 um, and just exploring that for ourselves. Um, but I just want to pray for a moment. I want to pray with us. I just want to ask for God to draw us into this moment. And, and then we're going to kick off and we're going to sing a song. So... Let's just pray. Our Lord God, we give you thanks for today. We give you thanks because we are here and we are worshipping you, O Lord. We have come and we shout your name aloud. We come and we bring the concerns that we have to you. We bring our petitions, O Lord, and we ask for you to be in our lives. Lord, today, may all that we are, all that we have, be pleasing in your sight. May our lives be used by you. May the Holy Spirit work through us, opening our minds and hearts to your holy word. Oh Lord, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to sing a song. It's actually... Well, it'd be what's known as a modern-day classic, really, isn't it, Caleb? It was written before Paul. It was written before... That still doesn't not make it modern-day. It is got a bit of age on it. It's a golden oldie. It's a golden... Oh, so it's gone to a golden oldie now. Okay. So without going too more into that, it's a great song. We're going to sing together um, the song, which is Shout to the Lord. Forever I'll love you forever 
compares to the promise I have in you. Thanks, Caleb, <laughs> for leading us in that. Isn't it a wonderful song? It really is uplifting. You know, it's that whole thing about shouting to the Lord and going, you know, which is actually a, really an acclamation of worship. And I really want to come and worship the Lord and just shout his name aloud and bring everything to him. I, I want to explore with you today. Because so often we get caught up in needing to shout to the Lord and worship and be joyful and just get involved with what is happening within here in this worship space. And so often we focus on churches coming to church and worshipping and, and doing the right things, singing the right songs, saying the prayers. Today I'm going to share with you a reading. And it comes from Isaiah, Isaiah 58. And it flips it around. Rather than us shouting, it's actually talking about God shouting at us. Something that we should do. So I'm going to just share with you this scriptural passage, Isaiah 58. I'm going to read through verses 1 through to 9. And then going to share two other readings with you that... Um, and so I'm sneaky. I've, instead of just looking at one, I've snuck in three here. But they all say the same thing. 
Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. It sounds like you know, something we should do, doesn't it? When you start reading this. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of great Jacob their sins. So this is actually Isaiah saying, God, shout to your people. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem anger for God to come near them. So people wanting to, to know God's ways, wanting to... It's, it's like coming to worship each day, each, each week and going, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to come here, I want to sing praises, I want to say prayers, I want to ask for God's forgiveness in my life. And then they come and go, why have we fasted, they say. And you've not seen it. So they're, they're kind of complaining to God here. We've fasted and you haven't seen it, Lord. Why have we humbled ourselves and not, you've not noticed? Why are things not going the way we thought they should? Especially if we come and we, we pray to you and we ask for your help. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrels and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it not only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? So, See, when... Um, Back in the time that this was written, a way of showing remorse and, and penitence, it's a great word, penitence, isn't it? You've got to say it properly. Penitence. Showing that is to dress yourself in sackcloth, itchy clothes, put ashes on your head and pray to God for forgiveness. And he's... People are doing this because they realise they're not doing the right things and they're asking for God's forgiveness. Is that what God is requiring us to do? To do the ritual, to do the things, to ask for God's forgiveness by putting on sackcloth and ash and bowing our head in prayers and fasting and not eating. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen? This is what God wants us to do. To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then the righteous will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Not only is that kind of sentiment of actually... Loosing the chains of injustice, 
untying the cords of the yoke. So the yoke is the, the beam that would go across a, 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 like a, a bull so it could pull the plough and untying the yoke so that the bull could be free. Setting the oppressed free, so those people who are downtrodden. See, the thing is, we have in Isaiah, what people were doing was they were asking for forgiveness of God and putting on sackcloth and ashes and, and seeking his own forgiveness, yet at the same time, while they were doing that, they were oppressing their slaves, the captives, they were quarrelling and fighting while asking for their own forgiveness. But we see it yet again in other places as well, this same call for us. And this is the, this is the section I want us to really get. This is one of my favourite things. This is actually one of my favourite verses. Micah 6.8. He's shown you people what is good. What does the Lord require of you? but to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Hear the call for justice. Hear the call for mercy. Hear the call for humility to be with you. What does the Lord require of you but to do this? Or if we jump into Luke's gospel. Now, I could have been really selfish and said, I'm going to choose all of Luke. Because Luke's a great gospel. It's really, it's really a gospel where the poor, the oppressed are seen as paramount. That it almost shows that God has preferential favour for those who are poor, for those who are oppressed. But let's just jump in. Luke 4 verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. So the Spirit of God is upon Jesus because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to who? To the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free. Three different passages, same intent about releasing the captives. So what is it that we are doing? There is a desire for justice and mercy. And that's what I want to explore for us today. The desire to have justice and mercy to shout as God shouted. Raise your voice. Declare that we need to. Not just go about our way shouting glory to God, which is great, we should do that in worship. We should shout aloud and proclaim God's grace. But we should do more than that. We should not become hollow. We should not become just the people that come on this one day a week and sing some songs, say some prayers, hear a message brought to us. But we should do so much more. Because what are we meant to be? We're meant to be a people of integrity. One of the greatest criticisms that have been levelled against Christians is that they are hypocrites. Anybody ever heard that? Yep. Has anybody ever said it to you? If you said, oh, I'm a Christian, oh, well, how can you do that? You know, they're full of people who are hypocrites, you know. They say one thing and do another. Have you ever heard that kind of thing? Hypocrisy is to, 
is to proclaim something but not do it yourself. Whereas integrity, and which is what we're called to be, we're called to be people of integrity, is that your words that you say and the actions you do meet and work together. They have integrity. See, God's people, Israel, were saying in, in Isaiah, were saying one thing and doing another. They were being hypocritical. They were being hypocrites. On the day of your fasting, God says, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. You put on sackcloth and ashes and humble yourself for a day, but I want a lifestyle of justice and humility. The question we need to ask ourselves, and this is a hard question, is do we do the same thing? In our modern lifestyle, do we do the same thing? The choices that we make, the actions that we do, do they hold up to the, the high ideals that God has placed for us? Do we uphold the high ideals we've placed for ourselves? Or do we buy into the consumer mentality? The more that we, that we get, the more that we have, the more that we can accumulate, no matter how it is made, no matter how it's happened, that's good. I must be doing well because, you know, I, I've got the latest and greatest of things. That's not what God is calling us to do. I must be great because I come and sing songs to God. I worship him and I proclaim his name and I, you know, I'll give out Bible tracts all around the place. But I won't lift a finger to help a person in need. Is that what God is calling us to do? So the problem is that when we're looking at Isaiah and we're looking at what Jesus did and in Micah, actually throughout Scripture, we see that people honour, try and honour God with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. See, integrity comes when our words and our actions coalesce and come together. But how do we put this into practice? How do we make this a reality? How do we move from being people that say one thing and do another? Well, you can go one or two ways. You can bring your words in line with your actions and that's actually bringing yourself down a notch, isn't it? So if you, your actions don't meet up to God's ideals and you go, well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll no longer proclaim that I'm a Christian, I'll no longer want to follow this because I just cannot get by without changing my lifestyle. I just want to do the same thing. So you're bringing yourself down to that base level and that, that will give you some integrity, but it won't give you hope for the future, will it? It won't give you a joy for, for tomorrow and a joy for now. If you want to meet the high ideals that God has for you, if you want to meet your words to your actions, you need to bring your actions in line with your words. So you can see how the two different things have, are there? You can either go, well, if I want to be a person of integrity and my actions do this, well, I need to bring my words down to the actions. Or you go, my words are here, what I need to do is bring my actions up to the words. 
We need to strive for this. We need to bring our words up to the actions to do as God is saying in our lives. So how do we do this? Well, we need to get our actions and the love of God working within our lives. We need to get the actions and the love of God working in our lives. What does it say? It says in Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7, God calls us to do a few things. Here are some actions that we can do. God calls us to loose, to untie, to set free, to break, to share, to provide, to clothe, to embrace. He's calling us to get involved. Get involved in what? Get involved in helping those in need. We don't have to go very far to find people in need. Or we could go to the other side of the world. But people are in need all around us. One of the great examples of somebody helping out in the name of God, those in need, is Mother Teresa, isn't it? We've all heard of Mother Teresa of Calcutta and how she, she helped all of those in poverty living in that area. See, the thing is, she had a saying. You need to start small, but you need to be thinking big. Start small, think big. Because what, what you might be saying is, okay, if I wanted my actions to, to actually be a bit better, I want to do something for people in poverty, I want to do something for, for those in need around me, you might be thinking, oh, well, it's so big. How do I do something in Rwanda? How do I do something in Haiti? How do, I, how do I help those who are in crisis in my own town? And you're just going, it all becomes overwhelming. Start small while thinking big. If you can't feed 100, feed one was the other thing that she would say. If you can't feed 100, feed one. Do it and see what happens. Make a difference. As a church, we sponsor a number of children through Compassion. So Compassion is a, is a holistic Christian child development agency. And they, they provide relief to those who are living in poverty and they do amazing work. We sponsor a number of kids in Haiti as a church and as individuals and they help all the way from before birth through early childhood all the way through the education years and that actually helps not only that child but that whole family out of the poverty that they're in and give them opportunities for hope. And that's an easy thing for us to do as individuals and as a church. Up the back of the church there's a compassion jar and in that jar you know, we, people will put loose coins and change. So anything rattling around in your purse or, or wallet and that goes to help those kids and families and compassion centres provide relief to the poor around the world. We've done some amazing things. We've actually helped build a kitchen in Haiti through that giving that we've done. We've um, bought cows, we've bought chickens, we've bought clean filters, clean water filters for those. They're all simple actions that you can do. 
There are actually, that's, that's one. There are many different ways we can do. Help out in the community cafe. Get involved in activities that we have. You know, go around and see whether your neighbour's okay. We're not all called to be missionaries to go to the other side of the world, but we all can act and do something so we can get our integrity in order so our actions can start to meet our words and we can have that integrity. Our actions can be coming from the love that God has for you and you have for the rest of the world. See, when we, when we put the love of God and our actions together, the love of God working through you and our actions together, what do we get? We get a sense of compassion. So compassion really is when you see a need, you're willing to do whatever it takes to help meet that need. The love wells up in you and you need to act. You can't actually have compassion without doing something. You can't have compassion without having a sense of love for those in that situation. See, it's that joining together of the actions that you do and the love that you have that shows your compassion that you have. So we're called to be people of compassion. See, when we come become people of compassion, we really become people of integrity and people of action. Because God is with us, guiding us and leading us. What happens? You know, Isaiah 58, let, let me just read a little bit further from the continuation of, um, and I'm just going to read it for you from verse 9, the second part of that. If you do away with the yoke of the oppression, with the pointing fingers and malicious talk, and if you s spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the need of the oppressed, then, you'll walk, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-worn garden and like springs whose waters never fail. See, here we, here we have it. If we start doing this thing, if we actually start showing the compassion, if we actually start getting involved and, and doing what Scripture is actually telling us, doing as Jesus did, See, the thing is, when you read Scripture, when you look at it, you go, oh, you know, Jesus is there and he could have just come and he could have taught. He could have just said, okay, this is what God's all about and, and just actually did the intellectual thing and taught you there. But he didn't. He got involved. He healed lepers. He fed people that were hungry. He did these miraculous things to show that we are able to do this as well. That we can make major changes in our world, major changes in people's lives. God's love and concern is not just restricted to the wealthy, it is for all people. He wants us to get involved, to have compassion and hope for the future. God is always working to bring people into relationship with him. 
The amazing thing is that we can be a part of that, that we can help and get involved if we become a people of integrity, a people of action and a people of compassion. So let us just pray together. And Lord God, we just pray today, we ask that you be with us and you lead us and you guide us, that we may become a person of greater integrity, not because we reduce our worth, but because we lift our actions up to meet your high calling on our lives, that we meet our actions up to free the oppressed, to relieve poverty wherever we find it, to do justice, to love kindness and to act in your best interest, O oh God. Help us, O oh Lord, to be a church that is willing to do more than just talk, but to put that talk into action, put that action out of the world with love and show compassion to our neighbours. O oh Lord, we ask this upon our church and upon ourselves. We ask this today in the name of Jesus Christ, the greatest example of compassion in the world. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.